is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the sounding board for Drink Wise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drink Wise. Episode 3, Series 7 of the sounding board for Drink Wise and a form of normality emerges. I'm here, as is often the case in the South Bank studios. And Hutchie, you are on a computer screen in front of me, I'm assuming, in Sydney. Good afternoon to you Hello, on this Monday. Yes, back onto the week on, week offs in Sydney, so that's... My lot in life for most of the year ahead, which is fair enough. So you'll see me every second week from this studio here in North Sydney. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We've, you've started the show the last couple of weeks with with uh, what we refer to in the trade as a, a couple of zingers. Have you, have you got one for us today? You, you, I find you a funny man. You, your jokes don't always hit the spot, but you've been in good form to this point of 2022. 20, and and I, I like the yeah. sort of system of there being a little bit of a lighthearted way to, to get our yeah. conversations let me, going. Let me, let me clear one thing up for starters, Damo. I'm not a funny guy. No, no, you're not. I'm but not I'm here to do the funnies. Sense. I'm not taking the brief you've given me. I don't care really if you find me funny or unfunny. I'm not here to be funny. So don't start treating me like Trevor Marmalade and throwing me for one at the bar before we get into the main <laughs> stuff. As you've done the last two weeks, don't think I haven't noticed. So I'm not uh, playing that role. I'm not going with one zinger or two and having a couple of writers behind me in the background. Not happening. Uh, let's get into it. By the way, just before we do get into the serious stuff, did was it my imagination or did Sandra Sully discard the PVO reference pretty quickly in the next couple of PVO stories, which won't make our man PVO happy that his name was uh Reset this here. for our listeners, and, and for those who, who may not have listened to you, uh, take this apart in the previous two weeks, so the first two episodes of this Series 7, Hutchie. So the PVO to which you refer there, or to whom you refer there, is Peter Van Onselen, the Channel 10 Chief Political Reporter. Yep. He appears on the on the project as well, and, and you've discovered a way about him that intrigues you. You're a studier of uh, of media people. You're a studier of media habits and media techniques. And I, I haven't seen you as excited about someone's work on media as you have been in the past well, fortnight on, on PBO. He's become our man. So he's the over-the-top, highly dramatic, often secretly opinionated chief political reporter of the 10 Network. And he's building himself a brand on the, the CBS Watch. And... The brand is PVO, and it's not. And it is as 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 with everything with PVO, it has to have big red letters across the screen. We saw a second one of those last week. He puts the big red stamp on it, so he gets to the end of a sentence, and you know, and they were offended, and it gets the big red writing on the end of the. So last week, so he's he got the PVO in blue and white on his Twitter avatar. I don't know if anyone has put their initials on their Twitter avatar in bold lights like he has, which is interesting. And last week, Sandra Sully, who had been creeping into PBO, joins us on the news. <laughs> well, that was the big shock of the- last week. You, you, you have actually analysed this to the point where you got, you got a grab of Sandra Sully referring to her chief political reporter on the network as PBO in a yep. news cross. <laughs> now, so she- that, was e- that was eased out just to, to, to hopefully we would take our eye off it for a while. But we're watching. We're watching. We won't get away with it. And our Sandy Board audience who we're watching too, thank you for all the clips you sent us on PVO Watch during the week, as PVO Watch has been launched. The one that slipped through last week, Damo, yeah. the start as he kept the story to the news, well done. He didn't go early. We've been talking about this. You know, no need to, to, to make a showman of yourself at 12.30. Save it to the 5 o'clock news. He did that. <laughs> he dropped a yarn last week. Tick. Um, it's a good yarn too. Double piece to camera in the story. <laughs> 
Well, again, again, go behind the scenes for our listeners. Well, what, we've I think I know what you piece, mean there, but you tell, tell us what you do mean. We've talked about piece to cameras in newsrooms on the sounding board in the earlier series. For those who missed it, there are a lot of television reporters that you and I know who spend a entire day focused merely on the 10 to 12 seconds of the piece to camera. And if they can get it to 13, 14, 15, I've sat personally in the edit booth to make sure it's clipped correctly, that there's nine versions filmed, they use the correct version. So the piece to camera and how it's filmed and how it looks is, if I told you how much time television reporters put in the piece to cameras, it'd make your eyes pop. And you, you, once, he, you he, once spent hours every day working on this particular part of your craft. I, I reckon my TV journalistic career fell away because of my lack of interest. I was a live guy. Anyway... He did. T- he had two piece to cameras. That stories. He did piece to camera one. <laughs> piece to camera one. It went off the vision, and he came back for piece to camera two. Now, have you seen I this before? S- <laughs> I, I haven't seen a double piece to camera. I don't think in a long, long time. I don't reckon even Jim Wilson did double piece to cameras. That 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 oh, that's that's going a long Ed, way. Eddie would have in the in the late eighties, early nineties. Eddie would have. I reckon. Eddie would have done. I reckon it. He, he would have done. A thirty to forty second piece to camera, and and sat in the edit booth and argued profusely if someone tried to take merely one word out of it. But I don't think even he would have done a double piece to camera. So there you go. So PBO watch, we'll keep an eye on him. And uh, he's got a podcast, by the way, which I didn't know, called The Professor and the Hack. And uh, being PBO, you know which one he he sees himself as. And uh, there you go. A What's frank with discussion. you, Rimmerton? a frank discussion about politics and current affairs from two of the most experienced and trusted sources in the country. Okay. So there you go. That story to which you referred during the week, that, that was a good story. Uh, the uh, the unknown surrounding the future of the uh, MP, Alan Tudge, and well, the, it, the denials I mean, a, or the, the lack of ref, refuting by the Prime Minister, our man, our, our man, I say still- sarcastically, uh, not, not shooting the story down, said to me, the story was right, Hutchie. What your man said the story was right. You haven't got a man in these circles. Only, you've only got Tony Abbott. I, 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 said, I said it sarcastically, our man. You know what yep. I think of, the, of that bloke. Yeah, not, if, if the story proves to be true, it's a great story. And he, look, he does bring something to the table, our man PVO. Yeah. But <laughs> so far, old mate, uh, the uh, is it Alan? Um, Alan Tudge. still in the role. Yeah, Alan yeah. Tudge is still there, isn't he? Well, yeah. it, there hasn't been a, a final decision. I mean, the, the story has been evolving, but but your man, PBO, did go pretty hard last week on specifics of him, of him not being there as part of this review into his behaviours. What do you reckon What do you reckon he says? Like, he, he would not have even heard of your eyes, people, let alone our podcast. What do you reckon he says when his Twitter feed fills up every week? <laughs> he goes, what's going on here? Who are these peanuts? Why are they, why are they getting stuck into me? And, and, and it'll be one of those ones where he'll ring one day and say... Look, I haven't heard it, but someone yeah. said, <laughs> you know those ones? Yeah. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> someone said you give me a hard time. We don't give you a hard time, PBO. It's all, all out of love. It did take off a little bit. I, I did notice that, Hutchie. We're getting tagged into every story you had during the week. And um, yeah, I, I don't think you have a clue who we are. And hopefully, actually, hope yeah, he doesn't. I, I mean, he, he's getting so big that Mark Stevens has applied to be his press officer. That's how big he's getting. <laughs> Steve-O is looking for his uh, fifth gig in, of the year, and that could be it, I reckon. It could be, be PBO's press officer. All we'd have to do is take a passing interest in the Bulldog scores, and it's over. <laughs> well, you just, oh, this wasn't on the running sheet, but Steve-O has bobbed up again this week with, a, yep. with another new, in, new role. Yeah, Executive producer, yeah. So yeah. he's uh, 
He and politics didn't get along too well, did they? No, twice they're the a political... Yeah, sure to run the Melbourne Inger in politics, <laughs> Steve-O. Well, I'm not even sure he started in that other job where he was going to be the advisor to uh, to <laughs> Matthew Guy, wasn't it? The the lobster with the mobster bloke, wasn't it? Wasn't it that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. He, it didn't, didn't come to be. Hey, I'm interested in this federal election. Can we just talk about this for a moment, the media side of it? Yeah. So we've seen ScoMo do his 60 Minutes. We pulled that apart last week. Uh Big revelation afterwards was the confirmation that the ukulele was a decision on the fly by Samantha Maiden. So our our theory was true. Samantha Maiden actually followed up on our theory and guess confirmed the ukulele was pulled out as a bad idea at the dinner and Jenny was rolling her eyes at the time. I was reading on Saturday in one, I think it was The Australian, that Albanese was going to run a Stephen Bradbury-like campaign. Yep. He, he, he's just going to shoulder arms the ball outside off stump. Yeah. He thinks, well... Only 25% of Australians actually know who I am, but that's a lot better than making a pill of myself. I think 25 might be overcooking it too. Well, yeah, whatever the number is, but that that's enough of a base versus someone that's creating own goals. Yep. So I reckon I can win just by shouldering arms, Damo. So the theory in the weekend Australian was that he we wouldn't see much of him right. until late in the election. Now, I saw something with him uh, during yes. the weekend, and that, that was, it was a clear fashion makeover style of show. No, shot. this is where I'm going. Right. So, so I thought, okay, good strategy. If I'm advising him media-wise, I'm thinking, just while the other guy's making a few blues at the moment, let's put our head down, let the own goals run, and then at some point we'll make our run. And we talked about 60 minutes of right of reply being that night. I reckon that's probably the night. The Australian Women's Weekly. Is that where it was? Yesterday released the teasers of the Albanese story and the photo demo. Right, well, I saw the photo. I didn't know where it came from. Now, demo, grab the photo. I'll just put it to you on the WhatsApp. This is the Albanese photo. How would you describe the – and by the way, it's the story with Jodie Hayden, his partner, who talks about uh, how they fell in love, and that's all well and good. Rabideau's fan – how would you describe the the, the ensemble at home, Damon? Well, there's a couple He's got of... the, he looks like something out of a Stephen Datner commercial, out of a catalogue. <laughs> Stephen Datner. So there's a, a couple of things that immediately jump off that page, Hutchie. It's the it's the I'm really cool pose that leaning against the wall, shoulder on the right side, just slightly lower than shoulder on the left. Now, left you hand. You know the photographer saying drop the shoulder right yep. a little bit. He's going okay, and yeah, no problem. Left hand has the designer watch on on left. Designer wrist. watch, but now, hands in the left pocket. Hands in the left pocket. Now, Hutchie, also too, take this bit out of it. See that shirt? It's a long sleeve shirt. The look that is in these days, apparently, is to roll it up to elbow the level. elbow. Yeah. So now he's done yep. the elbow's done the elbow level roll up. And then, Hutchie, we then get to the, as, as we'd refer to it, or Spud would refer to it on Triple M all those years ago, the pant arrangement. So the, the pant, pant... or Like chinos? Yeah, I, I reckon they're, they're a tight-fitted chino style where they come, in at the, <laughs> they come in at the knee and they get tighter down toward the ankle. And then you've and got, Hutchie, the, 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 the white wheels. shoe. The, wheel, the wheels. The bowling shoes. <laughs> he's, got, he's got one of the bowling shoes. He looks like he's about to go and get the spare. Have a look at the wheels on him. He looks like he's been. Uh, worries me. I've got a pair of shoes like that. I, I might have to throw those shoes out. I've got a pair like that, Hutchie. So, so, so what, what, are you, what are we witnessing here? So the soft launch in Women's Weekly with the image oh makeover is, is that what we're Jody's seeing? Jody's got the, the hand in the right pocket. You know, there's a photographer there who's just cheesing them up and they're playing along because they don't know any better. And the dog, and in, the dogs in the shot too, Hutchie. You, you've got dogs. You're obsessed with yep. dogs now. The dogs well, in the shot looking often, up at them. How often does a dog? Look back at exactly that angle to you. 
Like, how many times do you reckon they've taken the photo to get the dog on the exact angle looking up? Or has the dog been photoshopped? That's the other oh. thing that went through my mind. Okay. And the dog, he's actually wearing dog matching clothes. Look, he's paired himself to the dog in the shot. Oh, I haven't gone that far, has he? Oh, I thought it was an overreach, Damo. He doesn't need to play these shots this early. But he's playing Just... them on Women's Weekly. It's not across the board playing the shots, is it? It's sort of your, I don't know, your, your big bash operation, isn't it? Someone in his advisory team's gone, look, ScoMo's really um, tanking on among female voters. Women's Weekly have been in touch. There's an opportunity here. They want to do the sit-down. You get a, we'll get the vetted questions. We'll get Jodie's side of the story. and she, she handled herself magnificently, as Jenny did as well. Uh, and we, we think the idea is to, like, a casual look at home. Yeah. We'll get the dog in shot. We'll talk a bit about the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Just, you know, like, everyone's got to... Uh, is that his team? And, that's his, that's his, well, uh, sorry, is it the Rabbitohs or is it I the... Don't know. Because I think yeah, I think ScoMo still... changed teams over the course of ten or fifteen years, and it's, is it's now back to the is it the Sharkies as he as he'd referred to them the, the Shire team. Well, according to the story, um, Jody well, yelled out at a function up the. You know, I'll, I'll find his team for you while we talk. But anyway, it was a risky photo shoot. I thought, Damo. Okay, Hachi. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've probably talked enough about a particular photo shoot, Hachi. We might have to attach it to our uh, social media offerings this week for those who haven't seen it. Hachi Juno's. Talking about journos, I want to raise it today because I've had a view, and I think as this new media takes a hold of whatever it is, and again, we keep saying every single year, it'll look different next year as to whatever the new media is. But I have a view, and it might be different to some other media or some other journos view. I feel the public loves a journo stoush series of events. Now, there's a lot of journos out there, and particularly the old school ones, of which I and you are. Uh, would traditionally have thought, no, do not go down this path. Journos talking about journos is the worst form of journalism. And, and I think deep down we all agree with that. Yet the clickbait type of journalism that we're all ultimately part of, whether we like it or not through the organisations we work for, I feel loves it. And I raised this this week, Hutchie, because we've got a, a respected journalist in the name of David Penbethy, based in Adelaide now, um, big time, former editor of the, the Sydney papers up there in, in News Limited uh, World in, in Sydney at, at uh, Holt Street. So wrote a column in News Limited this week about the Sam McClure issue, which we've been talking about now for a couple of weeks. But ultimately, it was a journo bemoaning journalism and other journos talking about themselves and journalism then proceeding to write an entire column <laughs> about journalism and journalists talking about each other. Yep. I read it. It's a bit to unpack. It's a bit to unpack here. I read it. David David Penberthy wrote a column criticizing the very act of the column that he was writing. That's what I thought when I Didn't saw he? it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then he, I proceeded he, he to write it everywhere. He wrote a column saying there's nothing worse than journalists writing about journalists. And then he wrote the whole, a column, whole column about Sam McClure and, and Caroline Wilson. So I think I think you proved the point to the exact opposite. I agree with you, by the way, because the public have such general disdain for journalists. Yep. They there's nothing they love more than what reading journalists bag other journalists. They, they like us fighting too. That's the other thing. They, they actually they like love it, it because, because they have themselves. such little regard for us, <laughs> or, or, or for you. And, yes, all of you. And in those fights, um, they don't take a side. They just look at the spectacle. They don't take sides because they don't have enough of an allegiance with anyone in the media to take a side. They, the average person in the street would say, oh, what about silly Damo and silly Robbo punching on today? Like, they actually, they, they love the fact that two subjects that they don't regard that high are in uh, in war with each other. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think there is, that that's an old school thinking that's out the window. There is infinite interest in journalists, naval gazing and other journalists, I think. Yeah. And uh, David Penberthy 
kind of missed the mark on that. I also think he missed the mark on the story. And he lives in Adelaide and is very influential in Adelaide, David. So um, I know he's pretty tied up with the Crows and he disclosed his conflicts in the story, which was... Well, I don't uh, think he right did disclose his conflicts. He, he, he certainly didn't avoid the conflict no, that some people no, might see, that, that being his wife being on the board. But but I, I don't think he – well, I think he went out of his way to not raise it as this is a disclosure of conflict. I, I think he – well, the way I read no, it, he, he raised he it to say, to say that that my wife is on the board and I raised a serious topic that I'd heard about this camp. That was the way I, I felt it was raised, not not so much to declare. I, I, mean, I may have misread if, it, actually. If your wife is on the board of a footy club, it would be impossible to be objective about that club because of your loyalty to your partner. You, you just not. It's just what human nature is. I don't care what anyone says. You you are loyal to your family first. You are. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, and his view of the camp is out of step with most. I think David's view wasn't wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. You can take the you can take the quills off. You can. Write the legal letters. You can do all you like. The simple fact is this, that there was a before camp for the Adelaide Crows and there was an after camp for the Adelaide Crows. And it, it was the trigger to mass, mass exits and change at that footy club. And that is beyond dispute, whichever element of you, of what you think uh, happened or didn't happen. And so I, I disagree with him on that. But, yeah, it was interesting to see that. And, and by the way, he's um, very established in Adelaide and a top-rating breakfast host and yeah, uh, does a great job and highly respected. Oh, and, and, I, I and disagree, held disagree a, with him on this one. Held a massive position there in Sydney there as, as editor of the the Telegraph there for uh, I think three or four, maybe even more years than that. So yeah, very very good journalist. Hachi, we, we've thrashed out the specifics the way we see it and through our lens of, of the Sam McClure Caroline Wilson issue with that camp issue. And I don't want to go down that path again today. But since we spoke this time last week, there has been a development in the removal of the Quill Award won by Sam McClure over the reporting on this particular. Camp. And I say the development in that when we spoke last week, the award, again, maybe my timeline is out, but ultimately the, the timeline effectively goes that award had been removed and that yep. and, and that the award for that particular year had been re-awarded. Now, our man, Winks, is, is president of the Melbourne Press Club and has, since we last spoke anyway, put out a statement saying that that particular decision is now under, quote, independent review. There's politics at play here, Hachi. What do you, you mean? Want to read between the lines. What do you mean? Well, that was so, written by the Australian. That was written by the Australian newspaper. That not only had the award been taken from Sam McClure, it, would ha- it had been given to Michael Warner. That, now that was just written in the Australian p- newspaper and Herald Sun, which is a news limited paper, Hachi. And the person, oh, so you, you, yeah. Hang on. You got to you got to fill me in here. Let's just navel, we're navel gazing a bit on journalism here, but that's it's lasted six seasons, so we're still here. Hey, um, and, and three. Episodes. So you're saying that Sam has been removed the award? Well, that's what I read. In the, that's what I read in the Australian newspaper. But the decision, but so that's that's a given. But the the area of contention now is whether they'll give it to someone else, be it Michael Warner or otherwise. Uh, now, Jane, you read that release, didn't you? I think oh, I'm not misreading what I read the, the other day. Yeah. So so that was that was put out by the Melbourne Press Club. Saying that 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 decision is now under review. Now, now that may be the ultimate outcome of that independent what review. Un- what do you mean it's under review? Well, the decision to and remove it, uh, the award is under review. The way I read it, and isn't Winks isn't Winks the age guy who's got uh, Sam and his um, you now investigative team? I'm not. Now, hang on. You're going down that path. I'm not going down that path. But like, how does it? Like, you can't have these people sit on committees on either side. We talked about 
you can't have news limited sit on the quills and well, you you, you raised this, this issue fi- last week. Yeah, they're, they're, this is a fiasco. This whole thing. Well, it is now, isn't it? It is now. It, the it, whole it thing's is a now. fiasco. I got, mean, who had the? Got, th- a, I'm assuming there was authority given to review award and reaward. You, you think so? You're that saying would... that you've got the Australian reporting that an age reporter, their competitor, has re- been removed from mm. the award, and their guys getting the award. Yep. And then you've got the press club. Now I didn't even know they had a committee, but that's they've got a committee. They must meet at Crown Casino too. <laughs> and and Winks is the president of the press club. He even, and he barely lives in Melbourne, but he's the president of the Melbourne press club. And now he's an age guy saying. The Herald Sun guy can't win it. No, no, he's, no, he's not saying that. The, he's saying the, the, the situation Independent is review. review. Yes. So, you understand how people outside our industry think we're shambolic, can't you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm not, that's not putting too fine a point No, on no. I, I, listen, you, you and I used to nominate ourselves for awards and, and we're very proud to receive them, but two, uh, you, you do wonder, two things. You? Two things. If we're going to have awards in industry in the future... Yep. No one who's ever worked as or or is a journalist can be eligible to vote upon it. Point number one. <laughs> we don't. We lack honour. We do. No, all of us. That's not true. No, we do. It's a it's a farce. All of this. <laughs> this is a joke. All of it. And number two, there's a real case that no award should be ever given ever again on anything. That's and it. the US AFMA can lead this. <laughs> <laughs> you, have a, you have an annual awards you, event. That's... You used to spend, you used to get poor dogsy in there at Channel Nine to spend weeks putting your entries I did. together. Months, <laughs> I did. Months, <laughs> and with great and now, success, Hutchie. <laughs> and now, Damo, with a full mantelpiece myself, I'm lobbying against the, the end of this <laughs> this rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to actually disagree. So, what do you think should happen in all that? Like, oh, I I I'm sick of talking about it, Hutchie. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> yep. I'm sick of talking about the camp. I'm sick of talking about the removal of the award. I'm sick of talking about journos banging on with journos. I think we just have to put a line through this it's ourselves. Only, it's only February 21, too, by the way. About to get <laughs> hot. Hey, hey oh, I don't know whether we need to straighten up. We probably do. Tell me what you make, please, of the bullying allegations against the, the Victorian government, the Daniel Andrews government, by the and we, we can say this phrase because this is a phrase being used in other media, the rogue MP, the, the, the MP who crossed the floor to vote against the the government's uh, wishes. Um, now, I'm probably going to miss, I'm probably going to pronounce this name incorrectly, but Karshalia, I've written this down. <laughs> You'd think I'd be able to say it properly, wouldn't you? Karshalia Vagala. Now, the allegation, Hutchie, is that, but made by made by her after that particular vote was that she'd been bullied. There were there were phrases along the lines of years of bullying and intimidation, uh, harassment, intimidation. Dan Andrews quite dismissively uh, referred to that person in a subsequent press conference, and another senior minister under his watch, Tim Pallas, said this that it was massively. Uh, it, it is worrying for me that she said that and it goes to the state of mind. Should Tim Pallas be talking about state of mind in, in this situation? Well, you clearly have a strong view on this. I do. You, I, I don't think he should be. And, and, I, and I don't what, think Dan why? Andrews should be talking about that person when the allegation is bullying. I, mean, I think so you'd argue think- that, that that statement from Tim Pallas and, and, and that person referenced by Dan Andrews, unless I've taken it out of context, I don't think I have, is... Is, is a very dismissive way to deal with someone. I mean, I think I think when you make these claims publicly, you can deny them. But to qu- to talk about a state of mind, I, I don't know whether that's what we do in two thousand and twenty-two. It looks from the outside like politics is is being severely challenged internally on behavioural change, doesn't it? Like 
on on so many levels. It looks like it's been a a really robust call it as you see it, speak down forever, hold your peace sort of environment. And there's been just scant regard for for feelings for in. For a long time. Well, it used this to be that you just say whatever you say and everyone moves on. Yeah. And, but but society doesn't do that. Parliamentary anymore. privilege speaks to that, doesn't it? There, there's an element of that. And, yeah. And, and you if can you get go up back and make to, a the, yourself and... to the Halcyon slash glory days, if you want to refer to them as, you know, Hawk going against Keating and, and you know, all, all the all the other big name, Costello having his go. I mean, <laughs> whether that was right or wrong, that was sort of how it was. And there's an overthrow and overhang to that. But it's changed now. But I just. I mean, the allegation of bullying, Hutchie, is a, is a pretty serious one. Now, I think it, it's entitled to be heard. It should be heard without having phrases like state of mind, I, I think, by someone who's yep. clearly going to defend that. Now, I'm all for defend. If you don't believe it, say so and say we, we do refute it. And, and again, Daniel Andrews definitely did that. He he just dismissed it, basically. And that's fine. I don't have a picture with that. But I think you can handle your defence in a public way better than... Than they have, and again, I know this, this issue has probably now been a, a two to two and a half week one already in the public uh, domain. We haven't discussed it on on this particular program, and, and I had it down for reference last week. We just didn't get to it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Hey, heads, just before we move Victorian politics, how have you assessed Matthew Guy's first second run so far? Has he landed any punches? Do you feel? No. Do you? I think it's been better. Yeah, it's it, he's coming how, from a long way back. Isn't how he? and why? What's, what's he done better? No, it just looks it looks a bit sharper, and he's I think his public message has been more on point. Uh, it wasn't ideal that he got the fine for not wearing the mask, and the sheedy look was a weird look. We didn't actually talk about sheets. What what was sheets? What, <laughs> what was sheets thinking? Was he, didn't he go and address the Labor Party about three years ago? What, what's he what's he hoping for? A draw? I would have thought Sheeds would be more your your Labor Party operator, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't claim to know his political engines, but I just thought the way he seemed to carry himself over fifty years of a public profile as a player and then coach that I've thought he may have been that no, way leading. He's a back pocket plumber. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought. He's not a liberal silver spoon. So why that's is he speaking to the Liberal Party, Archie? Uh, probably they probably reached terms. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I probably sold 15 books out the back of his uh, chauffeur, state's chauffeur car. He's probably got the state chauffeur car running out the front and he's selling books out of the boot. <laughs> probably sold his autographed copy to the whip on the way in. <laughs> the whip. <laughs> I must admit, I, I thought it would have been a paid gig when I heard it. Now, I, I've heard commentary around it that, that people are ev- evading and avoiding that, that answer. Yeah, of course he got paid. He got paid somehow. Let's be, let's be clear I about can't that. imagine why you'd want to go and speak to the yeah. Liberal Party without there being a, uh, a little reason to do so financially, Hutchie, yep. in, in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's – I think his first little run, Matthew Guys, to come back for that, has been better. Uh, for, uh, I only, I don't actually, talk you about volunteered this. Policy. I'm going to drill down on this. Why? Why are you saying that? And what's he actually said that makes you say that now? I just think his sound bites have got better. Like he's like he's 10-second, 8-second, 6-second cut-throughs. And obviously, he had a little bit of common ground to play with there, with the back of the pandemic and the lockdowns. And I thought he landed some blows. He's not going to win, clearly. Does he? He wouldn't he, think he can has win. He had the um, elbow makeover with the the, the tight. He's had, he's had, the a, tight he's had a sharper chino. haircut. Sharper haircut. Yeah. Um, he showed a bit of resolve on Tim Smith and and uh, let him go. Yeah, I I think it's been better from a public narrative perspective. I don't get involved in political views, as you know. But I just deal with the way they are perceived. Have you been following the Winter Olympics? Uh, I would say this: if it were on out the front of my house, I would close the <laughs> blinds. 
It's not my cup of tea. Have you watched it? <laughs> nah, I was going to say the same thing. I, I recall the previous Winter Olympics. I, I went out of my way to embrace and, and, and love, but I, I just have not found myself needing to go near a TV when it's on. And in fact, I've, like you, I've been turning it off to other options. And I don't know why that's happened this year. And then you then have the, um, the, the, the debacle. Some that, people love it. Yeah, I, I have in the past, um, but I haven't this time around. You've then got the debacle, debacle Hutchie, of the Camilla Valieva situation, that being the, the 15-year-old Russian skater who had failed a drug test before the competition started under the wisdom of the people running the games, was then allowed to compete, uh, then crashed out in the later stages of the event she was in, the, the, the skating, and then was berated as a 15-year-old by her Coach, I have no idea what she's doing in the Olympics. I don't have no idea what any form of Russian involvement is doing with the Olympics, given their history with with drugs in the in the sport. And I actually have no idea what the Olympic movement is doing by allowing all that to happen under its watch. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think the there's a section of the community that love it, though, isn't there? Like, we're we're not. I mean, I don't know anyone who watches it, but I'm told that there is a. I think the numbers have been pretty strong, haven't they? I haven't it, it actually over, checked. You know, I haven't yeah. seen them. Yeah, it makes it makes great money from an advertising perspective. So that would suggest that the numbers stack up. So yeah, I think there's a role for it, Damo. Australia won gold, two silver, one bronze, which was our greatest ever haul. It's a long. It's like trade radio, Damo. Four deals trying to get through two weeks. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make that interesting for two and a half weeks. But anyway, it, it, people seem to love it. So well done. It was not my cup of tea, but uh, what, tell me on the – give me a, a taste of the footy season if you can. I've got a few footy questions for you because we're not far off footy. No, we're not actually. Up on us. And it's, it's yep. getting really um, – I've got what, a few what do you want to know, I've, got, I've, I've, I've made a few phone calls in the last couple of weeks. I, I feel right like I, I have a, a reasonable grasp of what may be about to, to lie ahead, even though that doesn't always play Dwayne, out way. Dwayne Russell said today on – Afternoons with Dwayne, Dwayne's World on 1116 SEN that he wants a roof on the MCG. He beat me to it. I was going to say the same thing today. I think it's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Well, why didn't you say it um, last week? I only thought of it today. And then uh, as I woke up this morning, I thought I'll say that today. And then where you, know, where you go with Dwayne? Tell me, no, I'm only joking. Tell me, do you think it's the right move? Is that, we probably don't have the money I'm, to do I'm all, it. I'm all if, for, if I am all for roofed stadiums, but I don't know whether you Put a roof over the MCG, Hachi. I, I, I don't know whether that that's the stadium you you want to be. That would be path. magnificent. How much better is the ability to be indoor on occasion in venues than not? Yeah, but Why how, would you willingly sit in the rain in 2022? But how good is it though to still experience the rain in, in a sporting event? For, for obviously, when I say in a sporting event for football, the, the the one event that can go on with it. How how good is it to experience the rain? Do you know anyone that enjoy, likes the rain? Oh, I think the spectacle is is enhanced at certain times when there's when there's rain. As, as I a think viewer, one of the one of the things with the MCG is, in in global terms, it's a little tired. Oh, it's not a little tired, Hutchie. It is very tired. It, it, it it's, wouldn't. It's, I mean, we 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 bang on about it, and and I don't think yeah. this is sacrilege, like some people do when you when you criticise the MCG, the iconic MCG. It's as tired as all get out, Hutchie. It's yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, the new part which was yeah. built for the 2006 Commonwealth Games that that still holds up. But ultimately, Hutchie, that is now already 15 years old. Think about that. Yeah, it depends how you view the nostalgia and the history and the mood. Like if you like, you know, yeah. you and I went to Fenway. You and I went to Fenway Park, and we didn't know that was Fenway Park. You'd say it made the Witten Over look like SoFi Stadium. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's but the but the cathedral element and the history and the you know the um. 
the fact the seats are 60 years old is part of its charm. The yeah, MCG... To, to a point. The, 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 the size of it is is impressive, but the facilities are tight. Oh, extremely tight. And then you get to the other side of the ground, which is, is the area that they will touch first, I would have thought, the, the Great Southern Stand side. That, that's... Um, <laughs> when's that take us back to? 2002 or thereabouts? Or the, the, the late no, 1990s even? So, or the it's 90s. Too hard, to yeah. get anything, too hard to get anything up and funded and through Parliament these days. But if there was some flair, what I'd love to see is this. Brunton Avenue is just weird, right? It's just weird. Yeah. You'd build over Brunton Avenue, make that a tunnel or something. Like, it's... it's it just doesn't make any sense how it sort of sits in there and it's barely used by traffic. And and then the the rail, there's so many beautiful sporting facilities around there. You've got Amy Park, you've got John Kane Arena, you've got Kia, Kia Arena now, you've got uh, you know a whole bunch of oh, the new um, AO offices are beautiful. They've got to put infrastructure over those railway lines. They are an eyesore. Hachi, this has been talked eyesore. about. This has been talked about. I would say years. every five years for the past 50 yep. years. Yeah, I remember when I first started at the Herald Sun, or the Sun as it was, and they were still running campaigns then. Let's block over this, this, this how, eyesore. How good, how good would an entertainment centre be above the railway yards built between Fed Square and the G where on a big concourse where you could have concerts, you could have a basketball in a serious-sized venue for 15, 16, 17,000 people. You could have like fit-for-purpose um, events like how good would do, that be? Do you be really think that's going to happen, Hutchie, with the cost that's no, attached to that? I mean, you can talk about it, and yeah, it'll look great, but it, we, it ain't happening. No, we, we, still run, get... we still run trams down the same main road that cars share, yeah. Hutchie. And, and we, we, I mean, how we, still we, uh, we still haven't uh, appointed all the people to do Marvel yet, have we? Two years in. It, well, it's it's moving. I haven't yet seen it with my own eyes, but it's moving apparently. But what do you say again, it's moving? Well, they they started doing stuff. I think. Like what have they actually done? I, well, I don't, as I said, I haven't seen it with my own eyes. But you I haven't think... been in, you haven't been in the office have you, for two years. <laughs> That's exactly what's happened. No, well, when was the last time you stood, you stepped in the AFL office? It was a while ago. But actually, as we've discovered in the last, be two honest. Years, I know. I've, I've um a year. No, no, I used to go. I, I go in a lot when I've got to do videos and, and whatnot. I just haven't been been back in the last three or four weeks. But no, I'll, I'll be I'll be going in there probably even even after this show tonight actually. I'd hope for some flair in the way it's in the way it's done. Yeah, but there's not again. It's 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 overdue for a revamp. Yep. But there's not a lot of money attached to that, is there? I'm going to say a lot of money. I mean, there's not a lot of money to go around after COVID. No money, no money. No, anywhere and it, it's it's a um, quarter of a million or thereabouts. But that's not going to get a lot done when it's all said and done. Quarter of a million. Quarter, I, of, a, quarter of a billion. Sorry, quarter of a billion. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Hey, uh, do you, do you think now that the uh, variant has slowed down that we will see less interruptions to footy and how but we saw the announcement of 100% crowds. Do you think we can be bolder? Uh, yeah, but there's a, a mindset of, I think, the general person out there who who just is not yet there to, to, to go back into that, to put him or herself back into that situation. I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm wrong, and I'm hoping that the, the three or four weeks we've got between now and start of uh, the official AFL season, that, that that mindset can shift and that, that it can be one where we do get a full house on the Wednesday night and the Thursday night, which are going to be massive games to open the You're, seasons. You'd have no drama going to the footy, would you? No, I, I wouldn't. But but again, I, I've probably only got there myself, for what it's worth, actually, in the last maybe eight to ten weeks, maybe. I I, I wasn't there 12 weeks ago. And, and, and again, I don't hold it against anyone. Everyone's dealing with this in their own certain ways and, and, and putting themselves and, and subjecting themselves to a crowd of 55,000 if it's Marvel Stadium 
stadium or, or, or 100,000 if it's the MCG. I, I can get the fact that people won't want to do that. And, and I think that's going to be an impediment to those absolute full houses. But Do you, do you think Alistair Clarkson has a job in the, in the bag for next year? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You do? I do. Who? Oh, well, the obvious one's Gold Coast, isn't it? You think he's been offered the Gold Coast job already? I think he's got a job in the bag. Now, now whether that means it's that particular club, whether that means it's it's a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, we're not going to – they can't do anything now. I mean, there's a coach in place, Hutchie. And, and you feel bad talking about this given there is a coach in place. But we've also got a full-time premiership coach who's managed to um, get a deal with the club that effectively sacked him and, and is paying him about a million dollars to not coach this year. You know he's going to be back in the system, whether it's next year or the year after. So – yeah, I, I'd imagine the, the legacy piece is you, the interesting. How, how one. active do you think? How active do you think the AFL would have been, or 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 should be, in getting him to the Gold Coast Suns? Well, they've got to be very careful about being seen to be active, don't they? And I, I'd I'd be staggered if they had any fingerprints over anything. But but you don't have to have fingerprints over something to in order for it to yeah. do you, to, to do go you think your they'd way. They'd be in the background trying to orchestrate the outcome. Well, if you want to go down to the path, and and you cover this story hard at the time when the Brisbane Bears, as they were, they became the Brisbane Lions, had that season in 1998 where John Northey started and and was removed and then Roger Merritt took over. You, you, you covered that story. You broke the story that Lee Matthews was, was going to be that man, to, to, to go to the, the non-AFL heartland and fix it up. There's a, there's a massive parallel with, with Alistair Clarkson, isn't there? Just from the, the non-AFL heartland piece of this story – and the fact that he's an all-time great already, whether he coaches another game of footy or not, he's already a multiple premiership coach, as Lee Matthews was as a player and, and coach of another club in Collingwood as, as a coach. So, yeah, I think that the parallels are, are, are staggeringly similar. But I don't think I'm saying anything that people themselves wouldn't have already possibly thought of, Hutchie. Yeah, I don't know the landscape at all like you do because I don't talk to anyone. I, I can tell you my opinion. <laughs> my opinion would be if I were Gill... I would be absolutely going hell for leather to make sure he's the coach of the Suns in 23 because it is, you know, it's an investment that probably borders around $200 million already, the Suns. They need to put the best product out they can. Alistair gives them the best. It doesn't guarantee he's going to be successful as a coach. You don't know whether he's, he's, um, his ways will connect with them and then with him or whether he's run out of steam or vice versa. But he, he on exposed form, gives you the absolute best chance of, of fixing uh, what has been rather embarrassing at times for them. Yep. And and you can't leave that to the people because you the people have shown that they aren't capable of making the hard calls on the way or the right calls. Well, well you want to... So you've got to actually get involved. And it, it's irrelevant whether your fingerprints are on it or off it, but there's an easy way to do it with your fingerprints off it. Yeah. You say, we're, we're underwriting the check. We expect a, a better coach or um, not no disrespect to Stuart. He might be a really good coach, but we want the very best coach Go and get him, and if you run into problems on how you construct the deal, give us a ring privately, and we'll, our bloke over here will help you figure out how you do it in the background. Don't you reckon? Yeah, I, mean, I, I can see, I can see that that happening. I mean, they, they do; they're on the hook for for the the success of that football club, and and it, it has been a disaster for them. You wouldn't even you, you wouldn't even hesitate to drive that deal yourself with the AFL, and you just live with it live with the reaction because people will move on pretty quickly. Well, you, you know a couple of things. He, he's not going to do it unless he gets a lot of money, Hutchie, and he's also not going to do it unless he gets, I would think, some some further guarantees on on access, certainly retention of players. He's got bargaining power, and, isn't he? You can yeah. almost, 
They could almost get the rules rewritten to take that job. Well, like, this is the most leverage anyone's ever had in a role ever. Probably could, could we see a, a, could we see another um, opening up of uh, access to other clubs' players to to give it one final crack, like they did at the outset? Yeah, the, probably the most leverage a coach has ever had probably was Clarkson late in the Carlton process when Luke Sayers kicked a couple of own goals and he needed a bailout. So he could have named his own price and got it at Carlton and figured it out. This this makes Carlton look inconsequential in his leverage, doesn't it? Yeah. And 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 the poor old sons, you can't imagine them finishing anywhere other than the bottom four on the back of Ben King. So he he he's he's entitled. If you're advising Alistair, you'd say, listen, draw up the biggest list. Get your imagination loose. Draw up the biggest list known to man of things that you'd like because I don't think there's anything off the table in this conversation when we sit down <laughs> yeah. across the boardroom of the things we want. And 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 cash will be number one. Yes, I was going to say but, cash will be. You know, we'll be right. Da- we'll be right well, down. It'll be to prominent like, on the sheet anyway. The cash. You want to you want to redraw the boundaries on the zones, like you name it. Like yeah. there's, he'll have significant leverage. And in a year when they're going to ask the presidents to do some things, probably anyway with the uh, Tasmanian Tassie, bid. So. Yeah. It's probably the time to, yeah. if you're the AFL, you say, look, I'm going to go back to the clubs and ask them about Tassie. I might as well try and clean the Gold Coast up on the way through. <laughs> uh, question of the week time now, Hutchie. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. We'll go to Twitter. We'll go to Harry Smith on Twitter. With the crowds at the T20 Internationals falling, is it worth getting the games out to the rural areas? I'm big on that anyway, as you know, Damo. I think it's a no-brainer to take content to regional towns and and, uh, areas and places like Ballarat and Bendigo. We've seen a little bit of success at the Gold Coast as a venue, haven't we? But like, you don't need the big-size venues. Have we, though? Yeah, I think they put some good content in there. And Canberra, Canberra's been a well-attended venue. Yep. In cricket, in cricket terms, not not as much in footy. Oh, I'm I'm big on getting content out, as you know, Damo. So I would absolutely. Is is the question equally to do with the the, the standing of T20 internationals uh, outside of a World Cup? I, I think it is because I, I had well, no interest been, in that series, none. And and ha- it hurts me to say that they haven't been able to build any meaning in those series. So yep. that's the problem. They don't they don't go anywhere. They're just a series of friendlies. Yep. No, I think he's uh, no, I'm with you, he's mate. identified something there, Harry, on uh, on the rural areas and also even the, the standing of, of T20. But cricket's in a bit of a bother, Hutchie, isn't it, as we uh, wrap up this show and, and just continue the, the Harry Smith there on Twitter uh, questioning because oh, it wasn't a great summer. It, it really wasn't a great summer for, for cricket on a number of fronts. And, and the that- standing of the BBL and how they attempt to breathe life back into it is, is a, is a worry. What- yeah, the, the the test series was fantastic in um, its its performances by the Australian team, but yeah, the the Big Bash didn't have its greatest summer, and I think the draft idea around the Big Bash, the, the, you know, we could go on all day about the Big Bash. They got to get some connectivity between the teams and their fan base. The first thing I do in Melbourne is split the take the stars and renegades back to their club structures. Uh, anyway, that's another story for. We'll get to that another another week, demo on right. the sounding board. I'm going to table that for drink wise. Uh, series 7, Episode 3. Um, next week, uh, Trevor Marmalade and Vince Serendi will join us. And if you're choosing to have a drink, 
choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.